Douglas Bolger hits the top spot at 59 1 2. Neck and neck. Simpson does not want to give in. Watch for the chicken flag. He's already celebrating. We're coming up to the flag. Jay Maloney is the champion here at Brantan. You're listening to the Passing On Passion podcast by Kokoro Performance, sharing our out-of-the-box approach to racing driver coaching and helping you wrap your head around the world of motorsport. Hey everyone, welcome to Passing On Passion, a Kokoro podcast. This is our second run of this. Um, so we've got myself, Josh Butcher, we've got Kieran Clark here. Hey. And this time as well with us, we've got Scott Malvin. How are we going? Yeah, Bentley GC3 driver, uh, Kokoro coach. I think today we're just gonna gonna have a chat, really, aren't we? About kind of Scott's involvement as a core coach, but also his background as well as a racing driver. Because I think Scott's experience. How many years have you been doing this? How old are you? <laughs> Younger than you. I'm 28, so oh, not that long. How old are you? You're 31, and you're older than me. 32. 32. Ah, make me feel young. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 98. Started. 98. End of 98. January 98. What? Did you go cadets? Well, you go straight to TKM. No cadets. Straight. Straight cadets. Yeah. Yeah. Who'd you run with? Um, started with a small team called Keith Baines Motorsport. Okay. I did 94 right. Oh, so you didn't move yeah. far from the right though, did you? Boy, project one and right, that's pretty much what you stayed on most of your career, wasn't it, in Carlin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't move far from that. Yeah, zip. <laughs> I don't know, it was it. I had a zip in the middle there somewhere. Well, cadets. At the end of cadets, yeah, yeah. The cadets. That was my first one, was it? Actually, yeah. had Bradley Ellis's old zip. Bradley Ellis, that must have yeah, been Yeah, he, he won the championship. That must have been smashed to smithereens by I that. Jordan Oakes is one first, actually. Did you? Yeah. I feel like that is always the story when you first start out. They sell you the dream, like this car, right? It's run, it's won so well, many it, races. Listen, right? It was unpainted, so it was definitely factory spec. <laughs> 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 well, he was driving for Zip Young Guns. He was, was, yeah. Funny. Forgot, yeah about was. Forgot about that. I think it was actually Martin that put that deal in place. Martin Hines. What, for you? Yeah, to get like to have have that car because at the end of the day, everyone wants you know it's like everyone wants British Championship winning car. Don't they? At the end of the year, everyone's like putting their money down for that car. We didn't have the money for that, so why did Heinz help you out? Uh, Because I think he actually wanted. I think he was lining me up for Young Guns, right? But obviously realised that we didn't have the cash for that. Yeah, okay. So it's not much, not much cop. So just like. Here's a car. <laughs> Use that. I remember that back in the day, Autosport used to feature the young guns like quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, set the yeah. page, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. They're quite interesting though, isn't it? That I mean, I never even thought about that until you said that. But even even to this day, if you don't have the money, people aren't really interested in investing the time in you because they know that you're not going to go far enough to actually make a difference for them. Yeah. So yeah. I, did, I didn't even think that it would even start in cadets. Yeah, I mean, day, I think I think at the time it was like. It was quoting like 1,200 pounds a weekend, even in like 2000. Yeah. Which is like crazy, isn't it? 1,200 pounds a weekend. Is that including mechanic? I mean, I hope it would include a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but nowadays you say that number and then it's plus, 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 plus. Oh, you wanted you wanted an engine? Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry I yeah. didn't realise. Doesn't include tyres. Yeah, no, you wanted wheels. No, no, no. Didn't, didn't expect that. So were you with those guys all the way through then? Pretty much? Uh, no, I moved around a little bit. I was with Keith Baines for a, for a couple of years. Um, then we moved to a team called DVR, which is actually Darren Burke's dad's team. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he racing? He was, was just started Rotax. Yeah, when okay. Rotax junior, very junior first Rotax. came out. Yeah, he was yeah. racing against like Jason Power. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You uh, yeah. and Hanky. Yeah, McLeod. Yeah, McLeod, yeah. yeah. All that crap. Um, uh, it's funny how most of them, them are now all in GTs, as are you. Yeah, kind of. All, all has beens. All of us. 
All of you. All has beans and still wannabes. That's it, yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there for one one day. Ask you, Lewis. I don't know. I mean, you stayed in the karting world for quite some time, didn't you? Yeah. While you've still been racing the Bentley stuff, you're still doing. You've still done the karting stuff, working with DK and that, and ran your yeah. ran your, your own little team for a bit. And even then, I remember you saying that it's just ridiculous the money that people yeah, are spending yeah. and trying to compete. compete. You know, it's, sometimes it's embarrassing. Yeah. Well, it's actually embarrassing when you don't talk to the customers. You think it shouldn't cost that much? Yeah, but it does. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. Cost genuinely, that much. shouldn't. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to in, you know, kind of antagonise the teams in karting, but. I'd, I'd love no, to know no, the numbers. No. I, you know, I think what, when I, when I was doing it as a team, we were actually very cheap yeah. for what for what you got mm. and you know for, for everything else. Yeah. But even then, I still felt embarrassed charging them that to much. Charge people that much yeah. for entry level. Yeah, yeah. Three heats and a final. Literally, sometimes twenty minutes on track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, on a race weekend, on a race day, you're charging them thousands. It's crazy, isn't it, really? tyres and <clears throat> engines and... What I still also find quite interesting is the fact that most of the people that can afford to go racing, in karting especially, it's still a lot of money, so they're still quite wealthy. I mean, always, there's always someone richer, but these people are still quite successful businessmen or, or they've made their money. They're not stupid, yet they are willing to spend that much money on 20 minutes of driving around in circles and for what? Like, what's the bigger picture? They can't. It's almost like because it's emotional, they can't. Yeah, they exactly can't. that. It's such a it's such a big emotional investment for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're kind of pinning not just their kids' hopes and dreams, but their own hopes for you know what the kid might get career wise out of it. I always think of it like if it was their business that they were running, they would break it down much more, mm. and it would be like, well, how much is this costing me per lap? Yeah, but exactly. they don't do that. No, you know, if they did, they'd probably cry. Yeah. I mean, I remember someone working out when I was doing ICA. Yeah. I remember someone working out how much they were spending. It was someone, it was, they were with um, RFM yeah. doing British Championship. Yeah. And he worked out it was like costing him like £10 a lap. But, yeah. I mean, you just, like the, the visual representation of that just throwing £10 yeah, away yeah. Every, every time you cross the start yeah, line. Exactly. Yeah. Did you do ICA cool. as well then? Did I see? I did former as well. Did you? What in Europe or just oh, the UK? <laughs> just no. in the UK. <laughs> in Europe, yeah. I didn't know if you snuck oh, a deal. You You're very good at getting deals. No. I, did, I did. I did one. What I, what I would consider a European event, which is when Kart Masters was pretty like serious. Yeah. Um, and Tony Kart came over. Yeah. Birrell came over. Yeah, CRG. Yeah. Like K, 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 K Swiss and K Swiss. Swiss Hallers. K Hallers. You could change the colour of the stripes. Yeah. Swiss Hallers. He's like Umbro and Hallers. Adidas were in there. Yeah. Swiss Hallers. A lot of factory guys came over to do Super League. Yeah. And I had my my best race ever. I finished like seventh in, right. in the main final and beat up a load of big names. Yeah, who are you driving with? Literally dined out on that for weeks. <laughs> I was with still up one. Yeah, still, still, still amazing. <laughs> still amazing. Yeah, I was, pro- I was still Project One. Oh, were you? I was on a Gillard as well. Fair play. Did, was someone weekend. was on Gillard that won the European Champs one year. Oh, the Oaks. Was it Oaksy? Yeah, it was Oaks. World Champs. Yeah, around kind of oh, yeah, 04, 05, 05, 06, Gillards were the cars to be on. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, the people that win were on them, whether they were actually the cost, Peter Bruno had them, didn't he? So yeah. they were pretty successful at the yeah. time. So, and it, no, to be fair, at the time the O1O was a good car. It was really good. What O1O, which is the like, the staple Gillard at the time. Right, okay. the Scott knows his yeah. chassis numbers. I think that's the thing with Scott. That's where his strengths come in, isn't it? He just knows everything about anything engineering yeah. wise. 
kind of I've got a mate who knows all the Tony Carts like that EVR and EVK and EVR K car so it's just yeah. I, had, I think I had a Cosmic no, T7 no, don't have me T7 <laughs> I don't think you did T4 T4 yeah. okay there you go I mean, is there a T7 no is there a T5 no it's a silly C5 oh. I had a Cosmic T4 then yeah, yeah so you were there smashing all the Europeans to pieces of PF yeah. how did you go from that to I guess it would have been Formula Ford was the next step uh, yeah well kind of yeah I had a, I had a year off I did like I tried to do Formula A for a year yeah um, in 07 and um, didn't last very long because <laughs> it's really expensive yeah so did like three races in Formula A um, and basically stopped and did some a um, couple of road tax races which are pretty boring so you just sort of sub this. And I, well, I just I just stopped, yeah. So I just got a job as a mechanic. Yeah. Well, I actually didn't try and get a job as a mechanic. I tried to get a drive in form of Ford. Um, but having no um, guidance yeah. at all, um, I turned up pretty late to the party. How um, old were you then? Uh, I would have been like 17. Yeah. 17 or 18. Yeah. Um, turned up pretty late to the party and uh, tried to get a trying to get a drive with Jamin mm-hmm. um, and he was like well a bit late mate yeah it's who like, are you it's like December it's all over mm. um, so I I did a day uh, I did a test I just went as a test day like a tyre guy just literally measuring tyres up marking them up direction all that sort of stuff um, getting rid of oil just like like a number two yeah, yeah. Um, and did that for a couple of days um, and then the mechanic, number one mechanic on one of the cars left. So James, team manager, was basically like, do you, do you want to be a number one? And I was like, uh, literally, no, I, I know like, how to use a spanner. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, like, what clutch. And I basically lied Yeah. when he asked me and said, he said, do you think you could change the clutch? Do you know what the clutch is? And where it is? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you have to change gears? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know what time. Do it all the time, mate. Do it all the time. Do it all the time. Yeah, I did it on my road car. Yeah, just lied. Literally lied. <laughs> Full black. Um, and he was like, right, we start tomorrow. And that was about a week before the first race. Nice. At Alton Park. And so I ended up with Tim Blanchard. Tim Blanchard. So, you know, V8 super, now V8 supercar driver. Yeah, yeah. Was V8 supercar driver. Dad, you know, pretty famous V8 supercar yeah. driver. Um going to the first round and uh, with literally next to no experience as a number one. My very first day in the workshop, I set the car on fire. <laughs> How? Um, I was cleaning the footwell out because they'd just come back from a test at Donington or somewhere like that and uh, there was some gravel and stuff like, you know, you get stones. Yeah, like, obviously they get stones and stuff in the cockpit and stuff. So it was like, took the pedal box out, took the battery out to put it on charge, cleaning everything out in the footwell, put it all back, Put the battery back in. You cleaned it all out with brake cleaner. Put the battery back in. I was doing the battery up. Shorted it out on the floor. On a steel floor. <laughs> which was covered in brake cleaner. <laughs> and it just went... <laughs> there was a big... Like, up it went. Yeah. And went out straight away. And I looked up. No one no one moved. And I just carried on. <laughs> <laughs> and continued the black. And then about 10 minutes later, one of the mechanics would have said... Someone, 
someone burning something. <laughs> and I realised it was like all the hairs on my arm. <laughs> Singed off. Because <laughs> my arm was in the football. <laughs> Quite. <Quality. laughs> it was like the first day. It was the first weekend on the job. And uh, Tim obviously clocked the you know, pretty inexperienced, but I was learning as I was, I was learning pretty fast. Yeah. And uh, he was like, oh, can you do me a favour? Like, my dad's coming to this, like the first race from Australia. Can you just, you know, please make out like you've been doing this a long time? He specifically requested in the contract that you had an experienced mechanic, <laughs> two, three, four years experience minimum. Like, so he's going along with the black. <laughs> and Tim was like, you know, I know you can do it, but just yeah, like... Yeah. Please, for my dad. So literally, like, first day, he turns up. And at Alton Park, you know what it's like? It's traditionally, it's like Sunday, yeah. bank holiday. We don't race. Yeah. So obviously, go out on the lash. Yeah. Some mechanics turn up on Sunday morning. Uh, sorry, Monday morning. We're pushing to the holding area. I'm trying to do gear change, ratio change, like for the second time in my life. <laughs> trying not to mess it up. And uh, as we're pushing out of the awning to go to the holding area, Tim's dad was like, I'll give you a hand. And Tim just give me the glare, like, now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Show him how good you are. So he uh, literally, very first question, so how long have you been doing this? And I just sort of went, two weeks. <laughs> and he was like, oh, yeah. No. How long? <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Not too <laughs> <laughs> and he, he honestly thought I was joking. <laughs> he, just, he literally, well, I didn't lie. <laughs> like, he, he seriously thought I was joking, and that was it. Oh, nice no, to see no, you've had the integrity no, all the time. All no the issues. He just walked away thinking, oh, this guy's kind of tough to crack. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough nut. Little did he know, yeah. bottom front pickup was falling off in that race. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he, didn't, he didn't win it, though. Well, Mr. Blanchard, if you're listening to this, this is the first time you might have heard of it. I'm pretty sure Tim pressed the top. He, he must. Just in case. It's a legit. Good experience. At what, was, so yeah. at what point did they say, oh, yeah, do you know what? You're really crap at doing these nuts and bolts up. Why, why don't we give you a go in the, in the, in the steering, behind the steering wheel? Um, that kind of didn't happen. What, what actually happened was, there was as, as it went through the year, I started like, when I was finished my job, rather than just standing around, I was going into the, like the debriefs yeah. and stuff like that with the engineers. So I was trying to pick up as much as I could because obviously I was so in the deep end yeah. I didn't know what to do. So I was trying to just absorb everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I pretty quickly realised that like two of the drives in the team were pretty useless. Um, and like I could do a better job. Yeah. So I kind of just decided that Actually, I could. I want to do this. I, I don't want to give up at all. Yeah, I, want to, yeah. I want to have a go. Um, so I decided to um, like forfeit a month's wages to do a test at the end of the year just to see how I got on. And it was another funny story. So Josh Hill, Damon's son, was mm. meant to be testing for us at the same time, the same day. Um, and the week before the test, Josh came to the workshop with Damon um, for his seat fit and I did the seat fit for him so I made the seat trimmed it you know, yeah. talked him through everything like what he's got to do and then on the day I was in the other car <laughs> yeah. and Damon was like what are you doing? <laughs> hang on a sec what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. like, you're the mechanic I'm like not today <laughs> um, and it was a really interesting day it was really good actually because it was like both of our first time in a car yeah. 
Cookies. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and it was a really good day, but Josh actually shunted trying to stay with me, which was really cool. <laughs> it really took that well. <laughs> um, so no, that was cool. Um, I hope you weren't that smug in person. I'm so smug. Yeah, no, smug. I know you're smug as a person <laughs> at that time. No, to be, no. To be honest with you, at the time, I was just completely yeah, overloaded on, with information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah just completely... Yeah. That's quite interesting, isn't it? You jump straight in from taking a year out of karting and yeah, but I think the year mechanicing and obviously, I mean, by the end of that year, I was pretty much engineering the car mm. as well. Yeah, um, the engineer we had was also like double duty. He was doing um, Formula BMW in Europe yeah. with the Formula One, um, so he was missing a lot of the races. So it was tough for the one engineer to cover four cars. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up doing quite a bit of engineering on that as well at the end of the year and obviously picked up a load of stuff. Um, so then when I came to drive the car, I kind of knew what I needed to do and it just yeah. became like a yeah. a process more than yeah, anything. It's like, probably. if I just do this at this at every, every corner, yeah. then the, same the result, lap time yeah. will be a result of that. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of drivers, especially if they've just come fresh out of karting, they're going to be so keen to get behind the wheel of a racing car. And I think most of them would just presume that if they did anything other than that, even if it was being involved with the team, yeah. marking tyres, that'd be game over career-wise. Mm. So I think it's just interesting that, you know, if, as long as you keep giving yourself those opportunities, and actually that job you did for a year turned out to be super relevant and gave you... Uh, I, literally, I literally wouldn't have had the success I had yeah. in my first year of racing, which was critical because obviously the money just wasn't there. So fortunate to get some sponsors in year one went to a team that were pretty good at what they were doing um, but you're up against some in 1600 you're up against loads of really experienced drivers yeah. some of them have been doing it for 20 years yeah, yeah. so they're really you know really knowledgeable very experienced so that knowledge of knowing exactly what to do with the car and not even the knowledge of not to do but just like experiencing how a race weekend unfolds, yeah. what the processes are, when you have to be in certain places, what you have to do, when it happens, yeah, yeah, exactly. how long you have to wait around for, you yeah. know, what happens after you get out of the car, you go to your debrief, you do your engineering yeah, yeah. stuff and your car goes on a patch and all that sort of stuff. You're really I've done, doing it, that, yeah. done it for a year already. Yeah. So I knew exactly what was coming. I wasn't surprised by any of it. I just yeah. had to focus on quite interesting driving as well. you, the car. You, you, you would have taken on more more detail and information about that scenario because you weren't driving. Yeah. Because you, you weren't focused yeah, and, and on, oh, what, I need to focus what, on going faster. What I also have was an appreciation for then what everyone else is doing. Yeah. When I'm driving the car, what's everyone else doing? Yeah. What's yeah. their job? Yeah. And, you know, how can I, as a driver, how can I help them do yeah. their job better? Yeah, yeah. Or easier? Yeah. And in my, like, literally that first year, I couldn't, yeah. it was stuck. It's interesting hearing like, the the other side of like how everything come together in that way to be like almost a perfect first test whereas I think I had the, what was probably the typical single suit experience for anyone fresh out of karting where my dad kind of pulled in favours here or there it was Kevin Mills racing I don't know if those guys were around when you were yeah. doing it um, and I know they they'd either won it or were front runners like the year before so my dad obviously from what he heard from the team and whoever whoever's palms he greased to get me in the car for the day um, he, he's like you know obviously bigging it up like all this you know it's going to be brilliant this team's like the best team you have the best day but obviously me being 15 gone 16 at the time or maybe I just turned 16 never driven a car before 
as far as driving goes beyond karting, just didn't have a clue. So got to Silverstone and it was the short kind of infield circuit. And, uh, taste of day. Yeah. <laughs> and got in the car, minimal information. Yeah. The, the, the lead mechanic was like, here is the steering wheel. Here's the, here's the gear stick. There's the pedals. Away you go. And obviously the first thing I did was stuffed it in the gravel once I finally got on track. So learned absolutely nothing from that day <laughs> yeah. other than trauma and broken dreams. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, that's what, I mean, for me, it was just so much easier than that because I yeah. just knew what, yeah. I knew what to expect. And I'd seen, I'd seen all those other guys do it already yeah. and all the mistakes they'd made yeah. and yeah. how, you know, some of the guys, to one of the drivers, we had a Brazilian driver who just jumped in the car and he was like, thought he was center and he would just crash the car every yeah. day. You know, every single day he'd crash the car. And I was like, well, and I'd look at his car compared to the car I'm mechanic in, thinking that car is like trash yeah. compared to this one. <clears throat> yeah. So that car's never ever going to be as good as this one because it's had 10 million wishbones on yeah, it. Exactly. It's had flaws on it. And, you know, so it's like, well, don't need to, don't need to go out and, you know, Set the world trash, fire yeah, straight away. Just yeah. drive around, <laughs> chip, away, chip away, chip away, chip away, and all that kind of stuff. And um, in my second year as well, like when I did Duratech, I was obviously we were still with Cliff Dempsey, mm. um, and we were with the Ray, and the Miguel was clearly superior. So I literally spent after one of the races, I can't remember what it was. We were pretty poor. I think it might be Castlecombe. Um, I went to the workshop and. Um, like made a load of stuff to reduce drag because I saw the speed traps were way down. So I was like, how am I going to reduce some drag on this car? And literally, I made um, like an inside, I made an airbox out of a traffic cone. <laughs> and like, <laughs> honestly, like, honestly, made, made an airbox out of a traffic cone. I made, um, I made like uh, Venturis for the side pod out of like um, some cardboard and some like, uh, like the plastic you use for like pit boards. Yeah, yeah. You know, that sort of stuff. And just literally like, and like taped up a load of stuff and cut holes in stuff to try and just reduce the amount, like <laughs> try and streamline it as much yeah. as possible. I literally went to Silverstone. First race, one. Unbelievable. How was that legal? Well, it, I mean, we went to screen with it because obviously yeah. the team were like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, you're being fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Yeah, they're looking at this abomination you've got, got a cone in, a, in, in, in the roll hoop we've yeah. got to cut a traffic cone and it literally was a traffic cone from yeah. like an industrial estate robbed, somewhere robbed from Basel yeah, and I just cut <laughs> I just cut like with a standing knife and like forced it into this hole to try and like stop stop it being like a windsock yeah, essentially yeah. trying yeah. to get it like nice shape in. yeah yeah and um, you know, taped up all like the mm. excess bits and like lengthened the bit of the bodywork here just to try and keep the airflow attached. Had like, you been talking to like Adrian Newey or something? Like, when no, do you know what? I was I literally I was I was obviously when I was a mechanic, I was subscribed to um, like race car engineering yeah. magazine. I literally used to read it religiously <laughs> and like read all this stuff about aerodynamics and things. And I just thought I'll just do I'll what, just do that whatever yeah. it takes yeah. to make this car faster yeah. and be competitive. That's always that's always been your mindset, isn't it? And that still is to this day, isn't it? Yeah. Even as we found recently, you know yes. I mean, like just I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if I'm wrong. Just try it because I think it will work. Just yeah. do it because what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, and that's it. Like, that, was the thing. that was the thing at the time. We were I was leading the championship because my rival had, had a couple of DNFs. Yeah. Um, but we were losing it really quickly because the car yeah. just wasn't competitive. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And at that point, it's like, well, we're halfway point of the season. We're going to Silverstone, which is, you know, Grand Prix track, which is like yeah. all straights, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Um, you know, I just thought it was going to be a disaster. So I just did whatever it took. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how did, so were you getting, were you, did you have the funding that year or was it like touch and go? We had some pretty good sponsors that year. I had some pretty big sponsors actually. I had like Bell Troop Games. Plugs? You want to do a plug? No, no plugs? Okay. No, oh, okay. No plugs. But no, a bit, bit of, a couple of them were pretty big. Like, yeah. ha- like not household names, but like names you would recognise. Yeah. Um, so could have been potentially really good for the future. Yeah. But it comes down to the same thing again. We didn't have the, I didn't have the right people around me yeah. to make use of it. Yeah, that's it. They yeah. brought the funding yeah. and it was perfect. We used it at the time. Yeah. But we didn't know what else to do with it. Yeah. Didn't know what to give them back and, yeah. and how to and build how, on that how, relationship. How to keep that ball rolling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, which really kind of, when I got to like the Autosport Award at the end of that year, it really showed yeah. that I didn't have anyone around me. Yeah. You know, all these other guys turned up and they were all super polished and like finished up, not finished articles, but like yeah, yeah. they knew what yeah. they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, the they were prepared. They were prepared. They were talking about an engineering perspective. Yeah. But as drivers, yeah. they knew how to get the job done. Yeah. Knew what to say. They had all the right people around them. Yeah. And they knew where they were going yeah. because they had they had that package. Yeah. You know, like at the time, like um Williamson, for example, who won that year. Yeah. You know, he's been managed by David Coulthard. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, when when they turn to me and say, Well, what what are you gonna do next year? Well, I don't know yet, because I've got any money. Yeah. So, you know, maybe if I get the money I can do this. Straight into the same scenario as what you had in Carton. That's really? not an answer. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's not the That's not know, what they want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. What they really want to hear is, you know, well, my people have taken care of that and yeah. what we've done, we've had a really good, you know. Got the sponsors on board for this, and yeah, we've given yeah. them this, we've given them that, you know, yeah. and they're going to stay with us for two, three years, and there's going to be this much, this much, this much, yeah. and you know, this is what we're going to do, this is where we're going to be, you know, that's kind of what they. And that was the McLaren Autosport Award, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the first time you that did. That was the first time, yeah. yeah. And I was so out of my depth. That yeah. was the. That was the. You know, I had no, no preparation for it. Yeah. Um, again, I didn't know who to speak to. Yeah. I didn't have anyone around me who'd, who'd done it before or had any experience of it you know and things like that it's very specific not many people have done it yeah. so it's the information's very and at the time very secretive yeah, the whole yeah. test process and all that yeah. stuff was so secretive it was trying to find people to you know open up to open up, open up and someone tell you yeah, yeah. what happens and how yeah. to deal with it well was, obviously you went back and did a second year of that right yeah how how did you change your approach then the second time round or um, rather how would you how would you you know, recommend to someone that was coming up for an evaluation like that. Yeah, so the second 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 year around, I made sure that I knew pretty much what I was going to do the year after, or I at least had deals in place. Yeah. Or, you know, um Do you feel like that's part of the the analysis that they do is that you they want, yeah, they don't got want, a handle they, on they don't want they don't want yeah. someone to win who's gonna just flop. You know, they're going to give them a hundred grand or whatever, whatever the prize is at the time. They're going to give, and they're just not going to do anything with it. Yeah, exactly. You know, they want someone who who's got the plan and they've got everything in place, and they can just add some value. And they can add some value, value. yeah, and, it, and they can help them along with it. You know, the award will help them along with it. So but is not, that is that why you did the Formula Two test in uh, in Barcelona? Yeah, so because you were trying to prove that you might do Formula Two. Yeah, 
And GP3 test as well. See, yeah, that's funny because I remember what, I remember actually sitting on the side of the track in the last sector watching you drive around going, why is that guy driving around? He ain't got no money. Genuinely that F2 test you know that, that at the end of that year when I did the second year of Formula 4 when I was winning everything I had a lot of interest yeah. um, from some good companies some big big sponsors um, one of them was Comoroyal which obviously was sponsored yeah, yeah. F2 um, and the F2 test came through that and obviously I saw it as a great opportunity to yeah. Show you. show yeah. McLaren people. This is what I've got. Yeah, I've got big oil company. Yeah, I've got yeah. F two potentially. You know, <laughs> at the time I had some other stuff going as well with Williams and stuff like that, who yeah. were, you know, top of their game. Not yeah, top, but they were pretty good yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the price of winning F two was the young driver test in Abu Dhabi. So everything was like yeah. just starting to come together. It looked like. Um, and obviously Williams made that F2 car they well, made that F2 so, car yeah. so obviously I was already doing stuff with them at the yeah. time um, so yeah everything, look, you know, that's the kind of stuff they want to hear about yeah, you know, yeah. when you go to the autosport they want to hear that stuff you know, I'm working with Williams yeah. I'm testing F2 I've got Comoral Com- Com- yeah. you know, got, got, got some money got some money yeah. I'm going testing I've never yeah. done this before yeah. you know, and all this kind of stuff um, and the second year I was so much more prepared I, I spoke to Alexander Sims before I went I had like a long conversation about it like how he prepared himself what yeah. he did how he you know how he yeah. went through it the process he took over the two days um, and I turned up and I was so I was, obviously I'd done it I'd driven the F2 car already in Barcelona and the year before at the, the previous award I'd already driven the DTM car knew what to expect there so yeah. I got that out that well thing out of the way you know yeah Jesus, I'm driving a DTM yeah, yeah. with Mercedes <laughs> going like that, got that out of the way, and I've driven a GT car. Yeah. So all that stuff was all done with that. Yeah. Right, go with it. You know, just focus on what I'm doing again. Um, and the second year, I just spanked everything, you know, lap time-wise, did all that stuff. Um, but I wasn't the right person. Mm. But not because I didn't have the right stuff. Yeah, I didn't yeah. Do the, not because I didn't do the right things or I didn't have the right people and stuff around me. It just didn't work out. Yeah. You can't you can't do anything about that no, no. but I felt like I was so much more prepared for yeah. it that I performed much better yeah who won it that year? Oliver Rowland oh. right, where can we go next we've, we've not really got into coaching or anything yet we've done like half an hour we could probably talk about how because obviously when you, when you went from going off the back of the not not quite successful McLaren stuff McLaren Raw Sport Award stuff How, what did you get into next with the GTs uh, no so um, Renault, when, when did the coaching come into this because obviously so, here and know you right so coaching, no, right, I, coaching. I never started coaching um, until 2012 um, which is pretty much when I came across Kieran is it? In some way or another. Yeah, because you were coaching Scorpio. Ah, yeah, I was looking after, yeah, I was looking after some drivers. I got into coaching that year because I never, I lost the F2 deal mm-hmm. um, and everything else, basically, all went south. And it I kind of snowballed. I, yeah, but again, because I, because I didn't have the right people around me advising me, telling me what to do and all this kind of stuff, I put all my eggs in that F2 basket, everything into that F2 and it just got pulled from under me yeah so didn't have a plan B I had nothing yeah. Yeah, I had nothing else I had no no other sponsors no other plan to drive anything else yeah um because I thought I was a hero I was yeah. going to F1 I was going to F1 I was going to win F2 I'm going to get the young driver test I'm going to go to Formula 1 I'm going to go to Abu Dhabi I'm going to spank Maldonado <laughs> and I'm going to be a Formula 1 driver the year after that's how it's going to happen yeah but it didn't <laughs> <laughs> 
didn't I? And here you are. <laughs> and here I am. Here you are. Sat around the dining table. Yeah, you could have been crossing the line. With someone who was stuck in the gravel on their first test and someone who dines out on their Bart Reno series championship. <laughs> <laughs> not so mate, me and you have won the same championship. That's all that matters. I was going to say, we've not mentioned that yet. No, we haven't mentioned that. And you like to mention that every week. No, like, literally. Uh, so that, that literally came about so last minute, that, yeah. that Reno thing, because I ended up coaching Ryan Cullen. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I who, Ryan, yeah. who was going to do Formula Ford. Um, I got put there because I won the championship the year before Ford recommended me to him um, and I just went there I didn't know what to charge him I didn't know what char- I did a day with him yeah. didn't know what to charge and I just said to the dad you know what I don't, I don't, I don't want to I'm not sure I want to do any coaching yeah. because it's going to take up too much time yeah. I want to concentrate on my own racing I want to do that so the dad said well why don't you pay for the go racing ta-da all around <laughs> That's crazy though, then. You that wouldn't was, think, you wouldn't was, think yeah. by saying to someone, I'm not going to charge you because really I'm going to focus on my I, own I stuff. Don't know what, yeah, I don't know what to charge. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm just, not gonna you problem. can earn that one on me sort of thing. My days. I think you were probably the only person to have ever known <laughs> to be doing that in motorsport. I had no previous experience yeah. uh, or, or any vague idea of what to charge as a coach. Um, could have been hundreds, could have been thousands. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. So... In my, my, you know, I'm pretty. I don't often just talk for the sake of it. Yeah. So, bullshit and stuff like that is I find pretty tough. Yeah. So yeah, I was just like whatever. Just do it. I'll just just. And there you are, Formula Renault. And there I am. Yeah, literally a week. Well, that three days later. Yeah, yeah. Three days. Won that. Boom. Won that championship. Joined my club. Boom. Welcome. And, uh, didn't do it. Didn't. didn't didn't do it like I did, in fairness. More cars. More cars. More, more cars, yeah, but I had more talent. You, you say that. I raced against Dino Zamparelli. I mean, he was in GP3. Kind of engineering myself at the beginning of the year, yeah. more than anything, um, because the team very experienced mm. and quite stubborn. Yeah. So I ended up engineering a lot of it myself then. Um, Thruxton, which I'd never been to before, and is a one-day meeting mm. for Bark. Yeah, yeah. So to learn... The track in qualifying yeah. is not, so. I brought some people with me. I brought um, the person who was actually coaching me in Formula Ford, uh, Stephen Colbert, brought him with me. And he'd been working with Renault, so he knew what he was talking about. I bought some setup information from Manor. But again, I, I after my experience with the Autosport world mm. I knew I had to be yeah. I knew what I had to do by then yeah. I had yeah. to come get prepared people, yeah. get people come around prepared. get so information I want, to, I want to win this stuff and again there were some big teams there Fortec yeah. NGR yeah. you know you had Scorpio Big John was there big John. running the spanners around yeah, so exactly. you know, big competition yeah. Antel were throwing some money at yeah. it yeah yeah you know so there was a few big teams throwing money at it um, so yeah I had to come prepared and uh, went to Thruxton Hold it, first time out, lap one on the tyres, beautiful. <laughs> Ever so humble. Ever so humble. That's what you gotta do, isn't it? We, we, the thing was, it was really funny because like Colbert was like, you do realise it's gonna be lap one. You're gonna go out the pits, you're gonna drive around Goodwood for the very first time, and that's gonna be your sight up. Yeah. And, and the next time you go round, you're gonna be flat. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And like we've done the track walk and yeah, you yeah. see the corner, it's like yeah. it's a big corner. Yeah, yeah. 
But it's then when you get the bumps. When and you get like, the bumps. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you've got to be right here. Like be, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's all moving yeah. around a bit. So I was like, yeah. And he, he said, literally, you don't do it flat on that one, you're not going to be pumped. Yeah. And I was like, well, I sit there, I'll be flat. Just go flat. And that was it. Flat first. If you doubt, flat out. That's quite the crisis. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He could believe it. I could believe it. <laughs> you just shut your eyes. Yeah, you shut your eyes. Your eyes. <laughs> I went. I opened it. I was at church. <laughs> That's how quick you went through. Yeah. yeah. So you won that. That was a winner. Winner. What did you move on to then? Um, did you actually do anything after that? No, I didn't. Um, because the deal I had was that I would always coach Ryan. Yeah. In the category below. So yeah. I would be like the scouting party mm-hmm. for him yeah. every year. So I'd move up. The plan was I would then move up to um, GP3. Yeah. And he'd move to Renault. Yeah. Then F2. Yeah. He'd move to GP3. So just GP3. keep yeah. chipping away like that. Um, but at the beginning of the year, Ryan was a complete novice. Like literally never done any car yeah, before. Remember, just absolute complete novice. Um, so he was a long way off and he had a lot to learn. But he made really good progress throughout the year. And by the end of the year, he got on the podium probably the worst thing that could have happened because dad obviously saw that as a he's he's ready he's ready yeah, he's... so he skipped Renault <laughs> went straight to GP3 right. and dropped me yeah <laughs> yeah so I didn't blame him for that but he obviously left me high and dry again yeah um, and I basically had a year of just jumping in anything I could I drove aerial atoms I also drove 1600 again did a couple of champion of brands races just to keep my eye on really yeah. and just keep myself relevant mm. and were they free drives were they, they, were, they uh, were you paying free, for free, them uh, some of the 1600 stuff I was paying but obviously minimal yeah, yeah. Um, because teams wanted you know, all the yeah. teams they wanted to yeah. win yeah exactly they wanted to win so they wanted a bit of bring more drivers you yeah. know if they can show that they're a winning team then yeah. they can get drivers yeah, yeah which is what he did um, I had a few of those did some stuff with Kevin Mills a um, little bit and then basically nothing happened. I did a couple of things in Radicals as well. Yeah. I drove the RXC the first day it came out. Uh, did a bit of publicity for that. But just literally not, not, just stuff to keep myself in like yeah. motorsport news and yeah, yeah. autosport and stuff like that and just keep my name relevant around the paddock. And at the end of the year, there was nothing happening. No, I couldn't find any sponsorship. Couldn't find a drive. Yeah. Couldn't get anything. So I just decided at the end of that year I was going to get just do the water haze. Yeah. Um, the one Formula 4 race I hadn't won. Did you win it? I did win it, Kieran. Oh, Excellent. Thank Good. you very much. Good. That's well done. Yeah. I mean, it's normally a given, isn't it? Single seater, former Ford. <laughs> I win. <laughs> so, um, no, it was it was really good. Yeah, obviously, I just was gun ho all weekend yeah. just because it was, I thought it was going to be my last race. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, give it everything. Just go out yeah. and stop in style. And Nick was there just watching. Was he already racing or not? He wasn't, no, he'd stopped, he'd stopped racing for about five years. He was just there, he was sponsored the team. Right. He was just sponsoring the team, like, just for a few logos, just because he nice. was friends with Kev. Yeah. And he was just there on a jolly, just there for the day out. Mm. And, um, yeah, just saw him on Sunday. He didn't really say much to him on Sunday, just said hello. Yeah. Obviously, I had his logo on the car and I won the race and he was like, well done. Um, Monday morning, he rung me. I had a random number on my phone and answered it. He's like, it's Nick, do you want to go racing next year? It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so literally like two years in a row, just like that. Yeah. That yeah. completely right place, right time. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. me and Nick are just 
interested. Carried on from there, really. Yeah, so Nick's obviously studied T Bet in Bentley. So how many got how many years have you been racing with Nick now? Six. Six wow. years. That's a that's a good relationship to have. Loyalty. Place. Yeah. No, I think I think I think that's the thing though, isn't it? It's with, with with that relationship is about finding someone who you get on well with that there's already a bond. And also I think people people who are doing that, it's about having that integrity and that honesty between one another and going like this is what I'm doing, this is what I want. Yeah, I mean it was great. It was great for me as well because obviously I'd only done a little bit of coaching at that time. I coached Ryan obviously mm. that year and I'd done not much else coaching wise. Yeah. So now I was starting with someone who had very, very limited knowledge yeah. and trying to turn them into someone who is comparable to myself. Yeah. Which is a long way to come. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, from like our first test, I mean, I remember going to Spa in, his, in our first year with Nick. And the, I think the first test, the, he was like, I think he was 16 seconds off what I did wow. in the radical. That's a big, that's a big chance. Yeah. So then to come to like, I mean, even in our first British GT race, his very, very first British GT race at Brands, he got lapped by the GT4 leader, who was a, another AM, in 20 minutes. Mm. And then four years later, he won a GT3 race outright. Uh, outright GT3 race in a, so, in, in a Bentley, which wasn't favorite. we know yeah. we know is not up to the scratch of a Lambo at the moment or, or, a, Merc, yeah. or a Merc. So that's... Pretty impressive, yeah, he's really. Come a, he's it? come a very, very long way. Yeah, so to be, he's like regularly now within two percent of yeah. what I can do. Yeah, um, and it's not like I'm hanging around. No, exactly. So it's big. Well, you, I mean, it, yeah, I it's... think you've, in terms of the, the fact that he's two percent off you, you've proven time and time again that you are probably lead fastest Bentley driver out there. I don't think there's, I, yeah, I think it's pretty factual. You go and look at the results. You're normally the quickest Bentley driver, even though you're not in the works car. Yeah, but we always we always talk about like this season at the moment as well and how it's hard in the Bentley because it, it's not the fa- most favourable car, but you're still engineering it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that's not changed, has yeah, it? Really? No, no, I'm still using the same stuff that I learnt that first. Have that, you stuck a cone year. in the front? I haven't. Yeah, no. maybe that's no, where they're losing not, it. Yeah, you missed a trip there. Need to make some canards not with yet. some <laughs> some before numbers. we get it's too deep into the Bentley and and the the latest coaching stuff with our drivers, I think it's just worth pointing out that at, at no point once you'd realised that the extra stuff you could do as a driver like thinking outside the box being prepared as possible for opportunities just even if just saying to hello to everyone or whatever once you up that side of your game that then created all the other opportunities for the next five, six, seven, eight years yeah. and you're I think that what makes that's what makes a difference between the drivers that burn out at the end of karting or the first couple of years of racing because all they know is the driving side Versus, you know, you recognising at the McLaren Awards that you needed to, yeah, beef up. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's that's that kind of is what what made the difference for me. You know, I was very fortunate because I could have. I think in in um, two thousand at the end of two thousand and eleven, even though I was prepared for the the Autosport Award, it, it, it realistically it was all it all could have been too little too late um, and then obviously 2013 I just didn't want to I just didn't want to give up yeah. you know I, I was just I was so you know I was looking at like statistics and stuff and thinking well how can I be so successful and not get anything and for just it. have nothing yeah, you yeah. know and have literally not a, not a speck of interest yeah um, 
yeah, you just you just have to keep talking. I think that's what makes you uh, a very good coach, though, isn't it? Because you're always reflecting on how to improve things, how to make things better. Why is this not working? Why is he able to do it and I'm not able to do it? Find out what works for you. Go with it. He likes to have a nap in between races and sessions. I do not. I can't sleep unless it's pitch black. I think I think we need to just basically wrap it up with what like how how you got into Kokoro. Obviously, we we touched base on you actually getting into coaching. You haven't actually been coaching that long, have you? Really? No. But interestingly, I think like for me, the way you coach is very much how you approach your own racing. It's it's like never never stop questioning what's going on. How could it be better? And 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 even if we even if it is good and we are winning. Like, it's not good enough. It can always be better, can't it? Yeah, yeah, it can, everything can always be better, can't it? I think I find it really interesting as well because, like, when we, when obviously we work with the same drivers sometimes, yeah. it's interesting to hear what they think of how you coach and how, how yeah. I coach. Yeah. And it's like the opposite. Yeah. But the same result. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Somehow it comes around. It's okay. It's almost like if you've got two drivers and you put one in a car that they've set up and one with two completely different setups, yeah. yet they'll still make the same lap yeah. time. I do find it quite interesting. Like, you know, I think one of the things that we're always working on, which we do as a team, is we're always asking each other's opinions. Like you're, you bring so much strength to the table. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the, the differences between what you bring to the table and what I bring to the table and, and everyone as a core as a core team. But what I think's really nice is obviously you 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 have a different strength to what I do, but when we then have a look at a video or some data or, or, or oversee a driver as a collective, we're able to have so many different angles on it that nothing is ever missed. Yeah. Whenever there is like so when there is a video, we always bring different things. Everyone's got their view on it. Mm. Um, but in generally it's all it's all in the same direction. It's not. It's, it's. It's. I find it really interesting because like I say I haven't been coaching that long. In in reality, not as long as you. Yeah. Not as old as you, clearly. Um, but yeah. uh, <laughs> just look maybe it's years of kind of looks just, deceiving. Just, yeah, looks. Yeah, looks are deceiving. Well, <laughs> my nose has got here. But <laughs> hey, listen, um, I told you it's a choice. <laughs> yeah, keep telling yourself that. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting for me to see how everyone, how other people do it. You know, even for obviously younger guys in the in the team as well, like with Ben and Harrison. You know, I worked with Harrison when he was very, very young, mm. and then to see how he works now, it's obviously interesting for me to see how he's grown yeah. and the way he attacks it now. Um, you know, and, and obviously when I first started with you, um, with Kokoro. Obviously, I was with Dion, mm. um, and obviously he was starting in a you know quite a low place. Yeah, yeah. And he had a lot to work on. Yeah, a lot of noise around him. Yeah, um, <laughs> and we it was you know we were all both or we were both at the time we were able to identify what what was going to be an improvement for yeah. him. But then over time, it became clear that he would he was suited more towards Harrison yeah exactly you know, the way Harrison yeah. works <clears throat> yeah um, and since then it's become it's, it's been great you know he's been fantastic for him I think that's all that's also key as well you know that we we have clients who we all, we work all with everyone don't we within mm. the company and, and all the clients all the coaches but what's what's important is that, that we always find the right fit for each individual because at the end of the day this is just um, this is a, a 
process for them to learn who they are, how they work best, who they work best with, and how to deal with different individuals. Now, you know, you look at Harrison. Harrison's really approachable, like really nice guy. He'll chat to anyone. But actually, you put me and Scott in a paddock, no one would talk to us because we look like miserable but what's nice is from a coaching element, you bring so much to the table from an engineering point of view. I'm not trying to fluff you up here because that's not that's not what this is about. But I think... I thought there was a whole point of this podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not what I signed up for. I signed up for fluffing. <laughs> this, this is podcast is all about educating the, the next generation of drivers and getting them to understand that I'm a, I'm a coach, Scott's a coach. I believe we're very good coaches, but we come at it from a different angle. And we don't work 100% in the right way with every single driver. So it's about finding who works best yeah. and how who you know who you need around you as a driver to perform at your best. Who do you believe is going to get you to where you need to be as quickly as possible? And that's that's the whole point of this podcast, and that's the whole point of you know getting people to yeah. understand. Yeah. Our kind of team structure and the flexibility yeah. that we've got built into it, like we. You know, we use the strengths of each individual, which best suits the driver at any given time. Yeah. Like, take a, a, you know, one of our newer drivers working with us at the moment, Dougie Bolger. Mm. Like, right now, we're very much in the very early steps of figuring out what he, you know, his strengths and his weaknesses as a driver, which coaches work best with him, yeah. what he responds to yeah. with feedback and techniques and everything else. And you might find that in a couple of months' time, we've got one coach with him that we know is, is going to get the most out of Dougie. And we can attack, you know, the next season with him. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think the that's that's also key. A lot of our work is done as we always put in our social and stuff. Our work's done away from the track, where we learn to understand the driver in a non-pressured environment, so that when the pressure is on, we know how the driver's going to act. We know how to respond to them. We know how to keep them calm in whatever situation we need to need. You know, in, in whatever situation we need to react to, we're ready. As coaches, we're ready. The driver's ready. They know how we're going to respond to them. They know. They know that. You know, we. It's it's, it's, it's an emotional trust, sport. It's emotional, it's an emotional sport. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the number of times that I've and I'll openly admit, and I've no doubt Zane will back. You know, one hundred percent tell everyone if you asked him. The number of times I've actually like ripped into him, and it's probably been more emotional because I know what he's capable of. But he knows it's that's it's it's not. You know, I'm not attacking him. I'm doing it because I'm so passionate about what I want from him. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I know a lot of people in the paddock would look at me and go, oh, you're, you're, you're miserable and not very approachable, which is the opposite. But I'm just so invested in what I'm doing. I've not got time to think about what... I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, the, the perception is that you can't cross miserable, you can't cross, you know, arrogant. Yeah. Like that. But really, yeah. I think what, what, it, what it comes down to in, in, re- in reality is that so focused yeah. on what you're doing you're, you're not you're not you're not interacting with anything other than your yeah. primary goal exactly you know which is when you're when you know when we're at a track with with zach or zane or yeah, yeah. you know dion or whoever we're so focused on on their performance and how we can help them yeah you don't interact with no. Anything else? I don't. I've got yeah. unless 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 the unless people within affects us. yeah unless yeah. it's going to support the driver's goal. I've got no reason to to communicate <laughs> with yeah. anyone. You know, if they want to pick up the phone, which seems to be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. COVID's been good to us. <laughs> I don't know, it's having having to stay away from people, brilliant. 
People don't want to come up and talk to you. Brilliant. <laughs> Can't say I've even noticed. <laughs> so last podcast, we finished asking Zane what he would, what information or what feedback he would give to the next generation of driver. From your side, Scott, as a driver um, and as a coach and someone that's been through quite a lot in his career and even in such a short space of time, what would your feedback be to the the next generation of athletes coming through? Um, I would say don't lose sight of how important people are. I think you can you can be very focused on yourself, which is fine, and what you can achieve and what you are achieving. Um, and you know, from my personal experience, you know, looking at what I was doing at the time, I thought if I win everything then people will come. Mm. But it can only t- that only takes you so far. What you really need is you need, you can't underestimate the value of more eyes and more people seeing what goes on around you, not just what you're doing. Yeah. That would be my advice is just, you know, what, what to take is that I, I would, I would, I would definitely have more people around me. Yeah. Um, and be slightly less focused on not less focused on what I'm doing but allow other people to concentrate on the other stuff yeah um, like I said it's just been about being that rounded package isn't it where yeah. you're kind of firing on all cylinders <clears throat> so when you in, in those situations and they only come about a handful of times in your early career where you're swimming with some big names um, and the, that's a perfect opportunity to sell yourself and if you don't have that support or the knowledge, yeah, it's the support. Yeah, you know that that was yeah, certainly something that I didn't really appreciate until I got to like some of the first big tests, F two, GP three tests, mm-hmm. and I was there on my own because I didn't have that support with yeah. me. And all of a sudden, I felt massively out of my depth. Yeah, because I just didn't have that support around <laughs> me. I didn't have the. I didn't have another pair of eyes out in the circuit seeing what other people were doing. What. Yeah. You know what? What were other teams capable of? What are they? Where, which you know, even just down to basic stuff. What part of the track are they using? Yeah, because you, know, you can't be out there yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah, you know that kind of stuff is just so so important when you're there. The other thing I would say is that as a driver, don't be afraid to go and learn things outside your comfort zone. You know, driving is your focus, but I think it's important to know how everything else works because then you can fully appreciate and understand how to maximise your bin. You know, that's something that's been massively helpful for me. I mean, you, I, I think your career in the early days when you first got into cars, obviously you weren't driving, you were actually a, a mechanic blagging his way through. What there, There's absolutely nothing stopping a young driver. You, you look at doing... 10 race if you're on touring car package do 10 race weekends throughout a season what are you doing on those other weekends why yeah. not go and talk to another team and go and start sweeping some floors yeah emptying some bid I remember my dad always used to say that to me and I was like that'd be so ridiculous but actually you know maybe if I uh, maybe if I'd have done that I would have won more than just the buck from yeah, the maybe you would have won more than like three races <laughs> we're not going to get into that that's, another, that's, that's for another day a really good point to wrap up with <laughs> <laughs> 